The instant the shock of this sudden misfortune had abated, Duncan began to make his observations on the appearance and proceedings of their captors. Contrary to the usages of the natives in the wantonness of their success, they had respected not only the persons of the trembling sisters, but his own. The rich ornaments of his military attire had indeed been repeatedly handled by different individuals of the tribes, with eyes expressing a savage longing to possess the baubles. But before the customary violence could be resorted to, a mandate in the authoritative voice of the large warrior, already mentioned, stayed the uplifted hands and convinced Hayward that they were to be reserved for some object of particular moment. While, however, these manifestations of weakness were exhibited by the young and vain of the party, the more experienced warriors continued their search throughout both caverns, with an activity that denoted they were far from being satisfied with those fruits of their conquest which had already been brought to light. Unable to discover any new victim, these diligent workers of vengeance soon approached their male prisoners, pronouncing the name La Longue Carabine with a fierceness that could not be easily mistaken. Duncan affected not to comprehend the meaning of their repeated and violent interrogatories, while his companion was spared the effort of a similar deception by his ignorance of French. Wearied at length by their importunities, and apprehensive of irritating his captors, by too stubborn a silence, the former looked about him in quest of Magua, who might interpret his answers to questions, which were at each moment becoming more earnest and threatening. The conduct of this savage had formed a solitary exception to that of all his fellows. While the others were busily occupied in seeking to gratify their childish passion for finery, by plundering even the miserable effects of the scouts, or had been searching with such bloodthirsty vengeance in their looks for their absent owner, Le Renard had stood at a little distance from the prisoners, with a demeanour so quiet and satisfied as to betray that he had already effected the grand purpose of his treachery. When the eyes of Hayward first met those of his recent guide, he turned them away in horror at the sinister though calm look he encountered. Conquering his disgust, however, he was able, with an averted face, to address his successful enemy. Le Renard Subtil is too much of a warrior, said the reluctant Hayward, to refuse telling an unarmed man what his conquerors say. They ask for the hunter who knows the pass through the woods returned Magua in his broken English, laying his hand, at the same time, with a ferocious smile, on the bundle of leaves with which a wound on his shoulder was bandaged. La Longue Carabine! His rifle is good, and his eye never shut. But, like the short gun of the white chief, it is nothing against the life of Le Subtil. Le Renard is too brave to remember the hurts received in war, or the hands that gave them. War is war. When the tired Indian rested at the sugar-tree to taste his corn, who filled the bushes with creeping enemies? Who drew the knife, whose tongue was peace, while his heart was colored with blood? Did Magua say that the hatchet was out of the ground, and that his hand had dug it up? As Duncan dared not retort upon his accuser, by reminding him of his own premeditated treachery, and disdained to deprecate his resentment by any words of apology, he remained silent. Magua seemed also content to rest the controversy, as well as all further communication there, for he resumed the leaning attitude against the rock, from which, in momentary energy, he had arisen. But the cry of La Longue Carabine was renewed the instant the impatient savages perceived that the short dialogue was ended. You hear, said Magua, with stubborn indifference, the red Hurons call for the life of the long rifle, or they will have the blood of him that keep him hid. He is gone, escaped, he is far beyond their reach. 
Renard smiled with cold contempt as he answered, When the white man dies, he thinks he is at peace, but the red men know how to torture even the ghosts of their enemies. Where is his body? Let the Hurons see his scalp. He is not dead, but escaped. Magua shook his head incredulously. Is he a bird to spread his wings, or is he a fish to swim without air? The white chief read in his books, and he believes the Hurons are fools. Though no fish, the long rifle can swim. He floated down the stream when the powder was all burned, and when the eyes of the Hurons were behind a cloud. And why did the white chief stay? demanded the still incredulous Indian. Is he a stone that goes to the bottom, or does the scalp burn his head? That I am not stone, your dead comrade, who fell into the falls, might answer, were the life still in him, said the provoked young man. 